Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, the Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Kathy Kay, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Thursday, August 14, 2014. Today we are reading from the Big Book, and we are on page 122, the beginning of the chapter, The Family Afterward. Today's readers are Rachel M., Katie F., and Elaine B., reading the 12 Steps, Leslie F., and the 12 Traditions, Julie R. The reference number for yesterday, Wednesday, August 13th, is 6751. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Out of Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Leslie F., to read the 12 steps. Thank you, and good morning, everyone. I'm Leslie F., a recovering compulsive overeater from Illinois. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made the searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, Humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made the list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie S. I will now ask Julie R. to read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Julie R. from California, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. The only Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our, our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction, rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, all pass. Thank you, Julie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirements for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we will resume our study of the big book on page 122, the first paragraph. And I will ask Rachel M. to read the first three paragraphs. Thank you. Good morning, Kathy. This is Rachel. I'm a very thankful Recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from Ohio. Our women folk have suggested certain attitudes a wife may take with the husband who is recovering. 
perhaps they created the impression that he is to be wrapped in cotton wool and placed on a pedestal. Successful readjustment means the opposite. All members of the family should meet upon common grounds of tolerance, understanding, and love. This involves a process of deflation. The alcoholic, his wife, his children, his in-laws, each one is likely to have fixed ideas about the family's attitude towards himself or herself. Each is interested in having his or her wishes respected. We find the more one member of the family demands that the others concede to him, the more resentful they become. This makes for discord and unhappiness. And why? Is it not because each wants to play? Each wants to play the lead? Is not each trying to arrange the family show to his liking? Is he not unconsciously trying to see what he can take from family life rather than give? Cessation of drinking is but the first step away from a highly strained abnormal condition. A doctor said to us, years of living with an alcoholic is almost sure to make any wife or children or child neurotic. The entire family is, to some extent, ill. Each let families realize as they start their journey that all will not be fair weather. Each in his turn may be foot sore and may straggle. There will be alluring shortcuts and bypaths down which they may wander and lose their way. Well, this is Rachel still, and I actually having tears come to my eyes because I find it amazing how well the big book was written and how often when I sit down and read it applies to my very situation. Um, I I want to focus on um, the part that says we we find that the more one member of the family demands that others concede to him, the more resentful they become. This makes for discord and unhappiness. And why? Is not is it not because each one wants to play the lead? Is not each trying to arrange the family show to his liking? And how this applies to me right now, I I'm on a little anniversary trip with my husband and and I so quickly want to be pampered and loved and I want it to be about me. And and then the line is Am I not unconsciously trying to see what I can get rather than what I can give? And and that's where the change turns around and, and where happiness really comes in when I can remember to say, how can I be helpful? Um, how can I add to the stream of life rather than what can I get out of life? Um and and I also appreciate the little reminder that says, uh, 
each in his turn may be footsore and may straggle. And that reminds me of the of the sick man's prayer. We want to be um, tolerant and and compassionate to those in our family um, as we become better, realizing that it's not all going to instantly be sunshine and fair weather. And thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Rachel. Who would like to uh, comment on these paragraphs? Well, this is Kathy. I'll take a turn. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And as I listen to the reading and the share by Rachel, I realized that early in my recovery, um, the only thing I was focused on was losing weight. And um, I actually uh, assumed that that was my only problem. And it was not until I got to step four in my step work um, that I really began to see how my behavior had affected my family. And um, even then, and even today, um, I can easily um, assume that uh, all is well and we are fine because I am absent and I am recovered. And yet I know that every day there are opportunities um, to contribute to life rather than to expect others to give me what I want. Um, that that character defect of mine, of um, focusing on what I want, um, regardless of other people's needs or capabilities, uh, is so strong in me um, that uh, I need to read this to remember there are many opportunities each day um, to make a decision um, to act in a way that gives to others rather than takes from others. And with that, I pass. Who else would like to share? Sally. Okay. um, Sally, Sarah, and was there someone else? Amy. Larry? Amy and Larry. Okay, so I hear Sally, Sarah, Amy, and Larry. Go ahead, Sally. Thank you, Kathy. Good morning, and thank you for your service this morning to all of us. This is Sally, a recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. Well, certainly this has, there's a lot on this page, but I just would like to speak to a few points that really, um, really speak to who I am. Um, to begin with, it says here on that first paragraph, Successful readjustment means the opposite. All members of the family should meet upon the common ground of tolerance, understanding, and love. And here is the part that really is, uh, for me, the hard part, but also the most important part. This involves a process of deflation. Deflation. And that speaks to my ego. Deflation. So apparently common ground of tolerance, understanding, and love is really about ego reduction. 
deflation. That's a pretty powerful word, that word deflation. And um, the page, going down the page, um, it, uh, I like this, this part here where it says, uh, we find the more one member of the family demands that the others concede to him, the more resentful they become. This makes for discord and unhappiness. What I see here is manipulation, and uh, and, and among my own family growing up, and even as an adult, there was a lot of manipulation, and uh, my children are absolute masters of manipulation. Whenever I'm upset with them and and, um, some of the things that they say and do, I, I have to always remember, where did they learn such masterful manipulation, Sally? Where did they learn that? Coming down the page, it says here at the bottom of the page, cessation of drinking is but the first step away from a highly strained, abnormal condition. And the book tells us that repeatedly. I like it on page 19 is one of my favorite places to refer to when, when um, you know, when I'm, when I'm with people who don't quite get it, that this is not just about Um, racking up years of abstinence because that was it for me. It was always about that gold coin and and that ego that I used to carry into the rooms that I could say that I I had a gold coin and that I had years of abstinence. And here on page 19 at the top of the page, it says, we feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. But a beginning. And here it tells us that again at the bottom of page 122. Cessation of drinking is but the first step away from a highly strained, abnormal condition. It's just a beginning. We're just putting food down. We're just making a beginning. I think that's um, a very important thing for all of us to, to be able to give an answer to people who don't quite get it yet, that this is a body and a mind connection, and that the putting the food down is is treating the, the, the allergy of the body, but we need to move on to the greater aspect of our illness, which is the mental obsession. And that's what the steps are there for, to treat the mental obsession. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. Sarah, please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy. Good to hear you on the line. Uh, good morning, yeah. Vision, for you. My name is Sarah W. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um you know this this is really a wonderful um reminder and uh really says it all about our, our behaviors um you know we have affected our families you know it does really create um you know not only for myself but I've affected so many people you know it says years of living with an alcoholic is almost sure to make any wife or child neurotic the entire family is to some extent ill and um you know, the thing I, I need to remember um, in my recovery is that it's not how others respond to me. It's how I respond. It's not what I'm going to get from my, you know, from my, um, from my family. It's how I can give. Uh, and, you know, that's not my normal MO. My MO is, you know, I want you to do this so I can get that. I mean, that's, that's the addict's mentality. You know, how can I get more? Um, you know, I'm very self-serving. I mean, that's my natural nature. 
And, um, you know, being recovered doesn't mean that that goes away completely. There's a reason why ten, the 10 step is there. And, you know, we don't get to rise above, you know, anybody else. We all have this disease and it's always lurking there. The thing is, if we maintain our connection and if we, um, if we keep some sense of humility in the fact that I don't know it all and that I'm always looking for God's good orderly direction, that then I can be there and offer love and tolerance and understanding to those that I care about. But I think for myself, the family is the hardest place to deal with it because we have the history with these people. They know what we've done. They've been hurt by us. And they've had to learn how to figure out how to get around that, whether we've been ragers, whether we've been negligent, whether we've been abusive, whether we've been, because those are the things that we have done. I mean, it's not just the food. You know, it's our behaviors around these people, and they don't trust us. And so, you know, uh, and, and we don't trust them. You know, coming into this, we don't trust them. There's a reason why we keep putting up walls. So today I can say that my higher power has to be the most important thing in my life without exception. And then I want to do God's will. You know, I want to do God's will, which is offering the love and tolerance. But I don't get to get beyond this. This is part of my nature. And the only way that I can um, that I can rise above my nature is to ask God to help me with the strength and the power to to be um, to be the vessel through which he could, God can use. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. Amy, please go ahead. Good morning. My name is Amy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Grateful to be so. Thank you for your service. When I heard that all members of the family should meet upon the common ground of tolerance, understanding, and love. I thought, gee, didn't we just hear this a couple of pages ago in the prior chapter to the wise? And indeed, that is the case here on page 118. It's patience, tolerance, understanding, love. Back to you. Live and let live. If you both show willingness to remedy your own defects, there will be little need to criticize each other. Clearly, the family asked for it is a reinforcement of what they were talking about in the chapter two. Is not just about the alcoholic. This is family dynamic. Uh, you're coming in and out, Amy. Can you do something with your phone? Uh, yes. Can you hear me better now? Yes. Okay. Let me just walk outside. Um, and it's, it's the, this what I what I was saying is that you know this chapter the family afterward is a reinforcement of what's been going on and what's been said in the chapter to the wives that the alcoholic is not this is not just an individual issue that this is a family dynamic and because of the alcoholism and the havoc that it wreaks to not only the alcoholic but everyone around him or her that to some extent if you know in the family the entire family is ill. And they stress the fact that, you know, not just the alcoholic has to deal with these issues and character defects, and not just the alcoholic can be served by using the spiritual principles that are uh, given through working the 12 steps. And this idea of love, common love, patience, and tolerance throughout the family is going to be a saving 
a lifesaver as the as the alcoholic continues to work the steps and try to recover. You know, it says earlier in the chap in the in the chapter two wives that the, that the person who's the alcoholic knows that they owe more than sobriety. They want to make good, and it's also natural to think that the family members are going to think, "Ah, he's done drinking. It's all good. It's all going to be peaches and roses from here." But as others have said, the cessation of drinking is but a first step away. You know, to think that there isn't more to this disease than meets the mouth for us as compulsive overeaters, if you know what I mean, is a very shallow view (laughs) of what we think this disease is about. And to some extent, the family members may not understand that. And for me as a recovering compulsive compulsive overeater, it's not my job to make them understand that, but it is my job to show love, patience, and tolerance and not try to change everything and everyone and make everyone dance to my tune while I'm recovering. It is a family dynamic where we all have to learn to change. We all have to learn how to live with who the alcoholic and who the compulsive reader is transforming, who, who are they, what that process is going to be. And as they get better, we get better. And as all the family uses the spiritual uh, principles of this program, you know, we all get better. I love the quote in the big book that says, you know, thinking that just stopping drinking or eating is like coming out of the storm shelter after a tornado and looking at all the devastation around you and saying, oh, isn't, ain't it grandma that the wind ain't blowing? You know, regardless of all the devastation that is everywhere, there is much healing to be had. And, I'm, and there's usually much expectation. But they're saying right here at the beginning of this chapter, hey, remember what we were talking about into the wives here. This is a family dynamic. There's a lot of growing to be had here. We have to try to practice patience and tolerance. And um, I guess go one day at a time. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Amy. And Larry, please go ahead. Good morning, Kathy Kay. Um, Larry, thanks for your service, Kathy. Larry, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, so the uh, the family afterward, um, you know, after what? Um, you know, let's remember as the result of you know navigating through through these steps to the best of my ability, not perfectly, but to the best of my ability. Um, fearlessly, you know, with courage. Um, We've moved from a a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. So what what that means in in practicality today, it means that I'm now governed by the God of my understanding. I used to be governed by by me. (laughs) You know, that was was who the, you know, I was the governor, the president. I was was only uh, um, accountable to me but I'm now governed and accountable to the God of my understanding. So my life is transformed. I, I thought this was about putting food down and, you know, looking like a shiny new, you know, new package, new present. So all I really wanted was to look like a shiny new present. But, you know, I mean, it talks about discord and, uh, discord and unhappiness. You, you, know, that, you know, that was the certain outcome you know, for me and, and what I projected in, 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 the, in the construct of a family because that was, that was my ego-driven life that I, that I led. 
and I could not think my way out of that ego-driven life. Couldn't think my way out. Somehow through this process, um, God flooded in, and I've been changed. I didn't affect my own change. God, God changed me. I just rode my boat. I, I did the steps. I worked the steps precisely as laid out in the big book. So I, I used to try to arrange, of course, everything according to what I knew I deserved. You know, and, and, and sometimes we could fall we could fall back to those patterns where where, you know, this is what I deserve. I know I am the governor. I will tell you what I deserve and I will reinforce that within my own mind what I deserve. You know, today I'm no longer in charge. That's a good place of freedom to be, to know that I'm not in charge. God, how can I serve you today? How can I serve my husband? How can I help the man and woman who's still suffering in this disease? You know, it talks about our, I mean, our code in this big book, love and tolerance of others is the code. I couldn't live the code when I hadn't had a transformation. Go ahead and try to live the code. Good luck. I couldn't do it. Love and tolerance comes out naturally today because I'm governed by God as the result of working this process. God transformed me. He changed my thinking. And so since all action is born in thought, my actions are different. I, I, I'm different towards you. I'm different towards the people in my family, in my, in my life. So I've moved from, from taking to giving. You know, that, that's part of this process of transformation. I used to think this was about putting the food down. When, you, when you're transformed, putting the food down is a part of it. Sobriety, abstinence is a part of it. It's not the goal. When I was still in the disease, <clears throat> that was always the goal. The goal was to put the food down and look like a shiny new package. It's no longer the goal once you've been transformed. And you, you know that once, once it's happened to you. You cannot know that until it's happened to you. All you can do is work the steps and wait for it to happen to you. And then no one will have to tell you what you're going to feel. You'll experience it. And then you'll tell someone else. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Would anyone else like to share on this section? This is Janet. Follow me. I Leia. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, I heard Leia last. Who did I hear before those? Leah. Janice. Janice. Paula. Paula, is that who it is? There you go. I'll be right Oh, great. Anybody else? Judy I'm sorry? Judy F. Okay, Judy F. Great. Anybody Hiya. else? Hiya. Hiya. Okay, hi. Raquette. Uh, okay. So we will proceed as follows. Janice, Paula, Leah, Judy F., Haya, and Rakesha. Janice, please go ahead. Well, thank you, Kathy. Good morning to everyone. My name is Janice M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Yeah, there's so much in this. I'm so glad there's so many going to share. It's the family after what, as was said, after recovery, after I stop eating compulsively and, uh, you know, lose all my weight, I expect everybody to, you know, here I am. And that's not how it is in a family. And a family is more than one. And uh, trust me, I've lived with my family for a long, long time. 
and I affected everyone. And they were affected by me. You know, I expect them, after stepping on their toes, you know, to, to say everything is okay. And they're hurt. And I expect, you know, I expect them not to be hurt, but I have to remember what I did and stepped on their toes. So each member wants to take the lead. See, that's, that's the, I mean, that's the problem in my family. Everybody wanted to take the lead. And uh, it engulfs everybody in my family. And we're only three. There's more than one, but there's three. And, um, you know, family living in interpersonal relationships is so, so affected. You know, the very qualities that, you know, the very qualities which make a possible a growth, you know, producing family like tenderness, compassion, emotional maturity in the parents, my husband and I, you know, were in short supply. They were in short supply. I didn't know that then. Uh, many, many years ago, but, oh, boy, in my child, you know, did he escape any emotional scars? No. It's very, very, you know, I'm not, I mean, the past is the past, but I have to realize that, you know, my child became neurotic, not because he was born like that, you know. Um, you know, it, it was a highly strained, abnormal condition in the home, and and I have to know that. And, you know, it didn't take too long to break it down, but it's going to take time to build it up by one person changing and going through these steps. And just because I stopped eating compulsively, that didn't mean, oh, everything's going to be okay now, you know, like it was mentioned. So, and, you know, I expected them to treat me, like it says here, with kid gloves, and that's not true. Sorry. And uh, But things do change because we all have egos, we're all self-centered, we're all selfish. So each member, each member um, is affected very, very highly. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Um, Paula, please go ahead. Thank you. And thank you for your service. This would be Paula, compulsive reader in New Hampshire. And I want to take a look at that line, all members of the family should meet upon common ground of tolerance, understanding, and love. You see, I live in a townhouse, and we have common ground here. It's not mine. I don't own it. I need to share it. I need to be part of, not the owner of. And that's where it came, common ground of tolerance, understanding, and love. Look at that combination. But then look at the next line. This involves a process of deflation, always. Involve, always look at the word in, it is within me, a process. Have I gotten there yet? No, I'm on the road. Deflation, what is the opposite of? Inflation. Everything was so inflated. If it happened to you, oh, how small it got. Oh, deflation was easy. If it happened to me, oh, how big it got. Inflation. Speaking. Perhaps listening more? Deflation. I'm just going to drop down to the last line, and there I will end my share. And why? And there's a question there. And why? It is not because each wants to play the lead. Another question. Always, so Paula, do you want to play the lead? It always has come to that. It was said here, and I say it again. 
when we talk about self-centeredness, the self must be dropped out and God put in his place, in his rightful place. I thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And Leo, please go ahead. Thank you so much, Kathy, for your service. A sensation of drinking is but the first step away from a highly strained abnormal condition. Yes, I had to get that, you know, through my skull that uh, I'm not going to be able to treat a spiritual problem with a physical solution. I mean, yes, obviously the food has to be down, but, uh, you know, I like to say the, the monkey may be off my back, but the circus is still in town, meaning that, you know, I had a rough time living. I didn't have a rough time compulsively overeating. I did that very, very, very well. I had a rough time living. You know, so how am I going to live in this situation? And you know what? This situation is a situation that, thank God, continues to grow. You know, when I first started the recovery process, I was a married woman, no kids. Today I have 12 children, thank God. I have a son-in-law, a daughter-in-law, I have a couple grandchildren. You know, my program has to progress. Thank God, upward, I have an opportunity to move upward. Uh, Just like my disease was progressive downward, today I have an opportunity. But my book is going to tell me over and over again that to get over compulsive overeating and to remain uh, with a, um, you know, arrestment of that disease is going to require a transformation of thought and attitude. And so thank God for the step process. And to realize, you know, it talks about deflation. That exactly is what occurs through the process of steps. For me today, step 10, step 11, and step 12. Because to the degree that I demand anything from my husband, anything from my children, etc., is my emotional sobriety, so to speak, impossible. Because those expectations are the lenses to my world. And that's what spiritual work is all about. And if my, if my expectations are low, then my vision of God and my uh, harmony with his great universe uh, can occur. You know, my basic flaw was dependence on other people, dependence on possessions or control of situations or conditions or people to supply me with security according to my perfectionistic dreams. I can't live that way. I cannot live that way. So thank God, especially for step 10, because I'm a human being and I'm going to revert to old habits and I'm going to want to behave in a way uh, with previous reactions, you know, and and very non-spiritual behavior. But step 10 captures the steps four through nine process and it allows me to identify and have removed that spiritual sludge that can be produced daily when interacting with so many people. So thank God for this program of recovery that, uh, yes, uh, you know, the monkey may be off my back, the circus is still in town, but there's a program of recovery that allows me to live happy, joyous, and free. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. Judy F., please go ahead. Hi, this is Judy F., compulsive overeater recovered in Massachusetts. Thank you, Kathy, for your service. Good morning, visionaries. Um, I'll be brief. I just wanted to mention um, in the first paragraph where it says, the alcoholic, his wife, his children, his in-laws, each one is likely to have fixed ideas about the family's attitude towards himself or herself. 
you know, that whole idea, I mean, I came in this program and worked the steps and, you know, you know, old ideas were replaced by new ideas and that's, you know, the process of transformation and that the whole family needs this. And I remember when I first came in, my sponsor said, um, you know, recovery rocks relationships. And I really didn't know what she meant. And then just at the very beginning, I think my, um, the people around me, my parents and, and the boyfriend I had at the time, you know, expected, okay, good, now Judy's not, you know, not going to be, um, you know, always depressed and, and not showing up for things. And so they were expecting me to show up for more things. And yet I needed to work a program of recovery, and I had to put my program of recovery first and go to meetings and do my step work and make a lot of calls and get calls. And that, uh, they didn't really like that. <laughs> and so it does rock relationships, but we work through it. And um, But the family also has to, there's going to be change. It's not just one in, in the family that changes the alcoholic or the compulsive overeater. And, um, and by me changing and becoming more tolerant, understanding, and love, I found that there were changes in others. Um, but it was a process that did take time, um, and I had to keep knowing that God's in charge. He's Again, they, they refer to this show, you know, the director, and God's the director. Um, and even my family members needed to know that um, they weren't the director on how I was going to recover even. You know, they had to. So we, we worked through it, and it did get better, but there was a time of reconstruction, and I'm grateful that God was in all of that. And I pass. Thank you, Judy F. Haya, please go ahead. Hi, everybody. This is Haya, very grateful, recovered compulsive eater and bulimic in Denver, Colorado. Um, you know, I, I there isn't a whole lot to, to add to what was already said, particularly what Leah shared, because what was going through my mind is, you know, this this description that we read today is the epitome of Step 10, Step 11, and Step 12. You know, the skill set that I learned. You know, when I took step, when I realized I was out of power, and I realized there was a power, and then I decided to turn my will and my life over to that power, I learned a skill set through steps four through nine, which I have to use all the time um, because of what was described in, in our reading this morning. Um, you know, living amongst people, that the, the food was a symptom, and that this is a, you know, an, uh, as a friend says in, we're going up a down escalator in terms of I'm always I always need to be working towards this uh, God consciousness. You know I am a human being, so I'm going to be uh, in self uh, find myself in self very often. But I have a way to reconnect and be more godlike, and love and tolerance of others is more godlike, and that's the goal here to be more and more. Um, in line with God's will instead of my will. And so the use, I, I love step 11. I find that the more, the stronger my step 11, uh, the less I have to utilize the skill set of steps, you know, step 12, of step 10, um, you know, which is four through nine, because I'm not going to be in fear and I'm not being as selfish and I'm not being dishonest and I'm not being, a, you know, um, just thinking about me and, and wanting things my way. I'm able to say rather than, what have you done for me lately? It's what can I do for you? How can I serve thee, God, and, you know, my higher power? And that, that helps me to engage in the world in a much better way. 
um, which is step 12, right? Living amongst the people in my home, in my workplace, uh, everyone around me. And, um, and of course, uh, working with others and, and sharing this, this, this incredible program of recovery, which totally transformed me. Um, so I am so grateful that we are reading these chapters, and I'm so grateful that these chapters are here. And really, everything is here. It's telling me how to live, and I am so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful that this was a spiritual problem and a spiritual solution because uh, nothing beats living on this, on this, in this way, this way of living, which is what it is. It's a way of living, not a way of not eating. It's a way of living. With that, I pass. Thank you, Haya. And Rakesit, go ahead. Thank you, Cassie. This is Rakesit, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. So the title of the chapter, The Family Afterwards, is so, is so ironic to me because I had so many afterwards. I don't know how many dozens or hundreds of afterwards I had. Every time I got abstinent, I thought, okay, this is the beginning of the afterwards. But it wasn't until I truly, truly surrendered 10 months ago. Anyway, um, when I came into program over 15 years ago, I was raising three, three daughters by, on my own. My youngest was seven at the time. So all three of my daughters saw the crazy making through their, through their um, teens and younger years of <clears throat> what their mother was like. And I know it made them crazy because the sign here, cessation of drinking is but the first step away from a highly strained, abnormal condition. You know, when I came in, and for 15 years, I didn't understand the difference between recovery and abstinence. And I was constantly relapsing. So every time I got abstinent, oh, this is the afterward. Okay, life is going to be different for everyone, my daughters, myself. And then I would relapse again. And when I was, when I was abstinent, I wanted to do things with my kids. I had energy. I had desire. I took them camping, hiking, backpacking, to the beach, whatever. You know, life was okay. And then, bam, whammo. I would get back into the food and with no, usually with no warning. And then all I, all I did was just function at the minimum. I would go to work. I would do everything for my kids that they needed, that I had to do for them. But I would not do anything extra. I didn't ever want to go camping, hiking, bike, backpacking when I was in the food. And it was for them crazy making because this was the cycle on and off, on and off, on and off of abstinence. And um, when it says here highly strained abnormal condition, yeah, that's not a, that's not a, a, a normal condition <clears throat> for kids to grow up with and see their parents through. But thank you, God, you know, after 15 years, I started to understand because of a vision for you what the difference between recovery and abstinence is. So, um, you know, my kids see me today. They're all grown adults out of the house. But they're really happy for me. They're really happy for me that I can truly believe that this is the afterward, the growing part. Not only abstinence, but the growing, the growing closer to God part. So thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Rick Heffert. Okay, uh, we have about um, five to seven more minutes, uh, so I think we'll uh, hear some more shares rather than move on to the next reading. Who would like to share? 
This is Suji. Okay, go ahead. Hello, Sue. this is Raquel. Okay, Sue and then Raquel. Go ahead, Suji. Hi, thanks, Kathy, for your service. Thanks, everybody, for your shares. Um, this is Suji from southeastern Pennsylvania, a grateful, recovered member of our fellowship. Um, well, I, I'd like to continue that um, little part on the first paragraph we read. Each is interested in having his own wishes respected. That sounds noble. Uh, but we find the more one member of the family demands that the others concede to him, the more resentful they become. This is definitely a family disease. And so I flipped back to the one of my favorite parts of this book, which is on page 562 and 563, The Traditions. And uh, numero uno says, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon AA unity. Well, I like the uh, longer version of this better. This kind of puts me in it. Each member of Alcoholics Anonymous is but a small part of a great whole. AA must continue to live, or most of us will surely die. Hence, our common welfare comes first, but individual welfare follows close afterwards. So if I were to say, okay, my family needs to live, or the family of man needs to live. Some of our families disintegrate with this disease and don't make it to wholeness, but we have to find a family somewhere in our human lives. And that's really the wisdom in this. That's a spiritual principle. We humans are social animals and need a family somewhere, somehow. And um, I think our families in our disorder fall into the same thing that they did in the Garden of Eden. The, there was the apple. Don't eat the apple. Uh-oh, what are human beings going to do? What are our children going to do? Children are made to be a little neurotic. We, we have free will. The children are made to say, okay, if you'll give it to me, I'll take it. And that's what our whole family does. We're all acting like children when we're in the throes of our disease. But together, we can grow up. And I think of a time when um, my husband and I spoke at my other fellowship, which was uh, um, an anniversary meeting with addicts and co-addicts. And uh, we decided we'll speak on the 12 steps. And you should have seen us. Oh, did we come to fisticuffs about this? Because how were we going to do this? And I, the addict, oh, I was busy wanting to be the star of the show. And my husband wanted to be the disciplinarian of the show, and we were a riot. So the first thing we did was we fought when we were doing it, and then we worked it out. And so we gave our presentation, and an addict came up to me after and said, I had no idea that you co-addicts worked the steps the same way we do. Why? And I'm so sorry for what I did to you. And I said, wait a minute. I said, you and your kind in my family did not do this to me. I participated in it. What did I do? I gave away my power. I was absolutely part of this game. And that I, you are not responsible for my dysfunction. And that was that, that first tradition, speaking in my family, that, that the good of the whole is there, that, that this person came up to me and he said, hi, I'm at fault. And I said, wait a minute, you know, we each have a responsibility here. I think that's what all of this is about. I think in an earthbound way, uh, the, the heavenly principles are here. It's, it's about our responsibility for our part. And each of us has a responsibility to be loving and kind and considerate of the other and the others. 
and to, and that's how we act loving. Thanks for letting me share. I pass. Thank you, Suji. Raquel, go ahead. Press star one, Raquel. Are you there? Hello, can you hear me now? I can. Go ahead, Raquel. Yes, thank you. There's very little time, so if you want me to, I will keep it uh, for the second uh, hour. But um, is there uh, like a couple minutes? Yeah, you can take uh, two to three minutes, okay? Okay, thank you, thank you. So I wanted to say about the family after that just like our development and growth is a process, so I think that the 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 family uh, uh, coming into it, that you really mean business, something new came my way the other day. I have a daughter with whom, I have three daughters and a son, and the daughter with whom I had the hardest time, I made amends to her twice, and she wasn't accepting. She wasn't, even though the other members of the family said to her, uh, before I came to visit, you're going to meet a, a mom that you've never known before and so on. She was holding on, and I just heard the other day um, somebody turning it around and saying, you know, I'm going to sit down with my daughter and say, honey, you tell me how I hurt you. Maybe I'm not aiming right when I tell you I make my amends and I say what I think. Maybe you have something else to say. Maybe I'm not even totally aware of which ways and what ways I hurt you. So I'm going to try that, you know, and sit there and take it, you know, Take it on the chin, as they say, because uh, I want—I really want the, that amends to be complete and to really clear the heart for her and for me. So I think that's what the family after. We are after developing in stages and 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 so on. So also the amends, I think, have have to have their stages of what and how much can be forgiven and worked out. Thank you for letting me share, and thanks for your service, and uh, I pass. Thank you, Raquel. Okay, it is now time to close the meeting. Uh, thank you, everyone who has shared and read. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Um, KDF, would you please read a vision for you? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. This is KDF, a compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you try the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.